Welcome to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more great content and updates, visit northrockchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning. So every once in a while when, um, you know, I'll prepare a sermon and then we come to church and like literally the whole sermon is preached before I get up here. So this morning... We could just go home and everything I was going to say has been said. But obviously, there's a message that God had for us. So we're going to just reiterate it, right? So <laughs> it's always fun when I'm like, oh, God, you're so cool. That, oh, those songs. Oh, that song too. Oh, that one. Oh, that word. Oh, that verse. The Chad. Ch- oh, everything fits. So amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's move forward. This morning, we're continuing in our sermon series, Take Heart, and it's based off of the verse in John 16, where um, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Pastor Chad did an amazing job last week of talking about courage and how we can have courage in times, circumstances, and situations where we're feeling anxious or afraid or um, overwhelmed and where because Jesus has overcome, we can have courage. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. I missed it in person last week, but the recording worked. So um, as I was thinking about this topic, excuse me, just a second. As I was thinking through this topic and thinking of take heart, I started thinking about the opposite of that. What happens when we lose heart? What happens when we start feeling despair and discouragement based on where we're at? How do we overcome, how do we persevere in the face of adversity? How do we keep going when things don't look as we expected them to look or they're not going the way we'd want them to? When the promise that God's given us, when the things we believe to be true about him and what our life should be like in him doesn't look the way we think. How do we persevere? How do we not lose heart in that moment? So we're going to talk about that this morning, but before we start, I want to pray. Father God, thank you so much for your spirit and that you are alive and well and speaking to us in so many ways. Thank you for exemplifying this morning what we continue to proclaim, that it isn't just me up here on the stage with a microphone, but it's this whole church working as a body, working together, proclaiming your message, ministering to one another. I thank you for the conversations that were happening during our greeting time, the way that you're engaging people here and building family and community in a place where maybe we wouldn't have all come together in the first place. And I thank you, God, for the message you have this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... um. As through the years, I don't actually remember when I first started doing this, but I started praying in times of transition or in new seasons or something. Just a second. I'm feeling a little crowded and I like to move. Okay. Sorry, Madison. All right. Um, okay. So I don't remember when I first started doing this, but I would pray for favor. God, give me favor in this situation. I pray that I have your favor here. Help me to have your blessing. Help me to have your favor. And the word, this favor, this idea of asking for favor was something that I did a lot. I don't honestly remember when I started doing it, but I do remember that it goes back to something that I recognized in 
the life of Joseph as I was reading through scripture and seeing what it said about him. And, and it frequently says in Genesis when it's talking about Joseph that the Lord was with him. The Lord's favor was upon him. Um, and I wanted that. And in my mind, when I was praying for favor, I was basically saying, God, I supernaturally want you to bless me and give me abundance and success and um, just help everybody to like me. Because believe it or not, I can be pol- like I'm polarizing. Either people really like me or people really hate me. And so I, it's, you know, I've come to, it's fine. It's fine, whatever. But I wanted favor because I want people to like me. So I wanted favor. I wanted this. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be, have abundance. So I prayed for favor. The problem is that I was kind of looking at the life of Joseph through rose-tinted glasses. Because if you really look at Joseph's life, I mean, yeah, he did have some, some times where he was succeeding and he did have favor. It's in there. We'll see. But I don't necessarily know that. So let me just say, I think God answered that prayer in my life, and I wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. I think he gave me the favor of Joseph, but as we'll see, sometimes we don't necessarily want that. So we're going to look, starting in Genesis 37, um, and actually, so, nope, it's not working. That's okay. I have it memorized. So, um, and actually some of this scripture isn't up there that we'll start with. So we'll let them do their thing because they're magical and we'll just keep going. So in Genesis, we first are introduced to Joseph. He's 17 years old and we hear about him that his, he was his dad's favorite, which when you have 12 sons and they didn't count daughters then. So we don't actually know how many kids they had, but they had 12 sons and he, it says he was the favorite. He got all the special things. He got a special, beautiful coat of many colors. And, and he was treated differently than his brothers. And they hated him for this. And then 17-year-old, entitled, conceited, spoiled Joseph comes to his brothers and he goes, I had a dream. God gave me a dream. And it told me that your grains of your grains will bow down to my grain. And then not only to make it worse, he goes to his dad and he's like, I saw that the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to me, to his dad. And his dad's kind of like, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. And it's kind of like, it's your fault. You spoiled him. So he's, you know, thinks he's God's gift. So then his brothers obviously aren't enjoying this personality that they have as a brother. And there's some intense sibling rivalry, rivalry happening. And so, you know, they decide to kill him. Because that's good. So then, so he's out. They're out. He, his father, you'd think his dad would know better than to send him out, like, unsupervised to his brothers way far away. But his dad sends him out to go check on his brothers. And they see him coming, and they're like, oh, now's our chance. Let's kill him. So they don't kill him. They throw him in a pit. And then they give him, they sell him. They get money for him. And they sell him to some merchants that are going to Egypt. I'm not seeing this favor yet in this story. I'm not seeing this promise that God's told him, you are going to be ruler over, I guess, everyone. 
you've got to think at this point, like, I've been thrown in a ditch and I've been sold by my brothers. How are they going to bow down to me if I'm far away? So then he gets purchased by um, the the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, Potiphar. And there, finally, things start going good for him. This is the first time we see that it says the Lord's favor was upon him. So he, he, everything, everything that he touches is turned to gold. Like everything is magical and wonderful. And, and, and Potiphar realizes this. So he's like, you get to do all the things because everything you do is good. So I'm going to just be in charge of my own food and that, and, and my wife, and that's it. You get to do everything else. And so he's got it good there. Things, he's prospering. Well, he's cute, and Potiphar's wife likes him, and uh, she keeps trying to, you know, seduce him. And he says no. So she lies, and he gets sent in prison. Again, he's in a pit. Where's the favor? So once again, we see. We're now in Genesis 39, in case you're trying to keep up. So, oh, it is. That's okay. This isn't up there. So... It's extra. So then he, um, he's in jail. Again, probably not, you know, where we want to be, right? Like when we pray for the favor that Joseph had, we don't want to end up in prison for false reasons, even worse, right? So the warden, again, sees the Lord is with Joseph. God's favor is on him. He puts him in charge of the whole prison. He's like the man in prison. And so, you know, yeah, he's still in prison, but at least he's got the best of the best that you could have in prison. So maybe that's God's favor. And then he starts, he interprets some dreams for a couple of other people who are in prison. And he says, okay, I'll do this for you. But when you get out, I want you to remember me to Pharaoh because I'm not supposed to be in here. I'm supposed to be out with moon and stars bowing down to me. They don't, they don't keep their promise. They don't remember him. He's in there for another two years. And it isn't until Pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer who had a favorable interpretation goes, oh yeah, there's this guy. He might be able to tell you what your dreams mean. So Pharaoh calls him up. We're now in uh, 41, chapter 41. Pharaoh calls him up and says, hey, I had this dream. Tell me what it means. And he goes, well, God can tell you. I can't do that, but God can tell you. And he interprets the dream, and he tells him, this is what's going to happen in Egypt. God is preparing you for what's coming in the next 14 years. This is what I think you should do. And Pharaoh goes, great, you do it, and puts him in charge. He's second only to Pharaoh. So, okay, we're finally maybe at this spot where this is some favor I would like. I would like this one. That sounds good. He's got, you know, he's probably feeling cushy, not worried anymore. At this point, so there's um, just, you can read it. We're not going to go into all of this. But there's seven years of, of abundance where he's saying, let's, let's keep track of all the food and we'll store a percentage of it So because there's seven years of famine coming. And in those seven years, then we can, you know, sell back what we have so people can eat and survive the seven years of famine. So at this point, Joseph's brothers come into Egypt. And guess who's the one who's selling the food? Joseph. And, uh, I skipped that one. Forget it. So this is where he had the dream. One night, Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Then, 
So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. 20 years between these two verses. 20 years. Also, brothers trying to kill him. Thrown in a pit. Sold to slaves. Slave traders. Purchased. Wrongly accused. Forgotten in prison. Quite a lot of time has passed. So when I was praying for the favor of God, I wasn't really wanting that. I mean... About, I doubt that he wanted it either. But that's what, that's what happened. And I think sometimes we mistakenly can come with this idea of, and I think we do it to ourselves a lot of times, like, because the truth is we do see all the time in Scripture that um, God loves us. We can trust him. He is faithful. He's our provider. He is our refuge. He's all these things. And sometimes I think that we can focus in on that part and forget the other part where he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And we forget all of these examples of all of the people that were faithfully following him and doing what he asked. If you look through that, the, the, ver- the chapters that talk about Joseph, you see that he repeatedly is faithful to God. He's reliant on God. People try to attribute things to him and he says, no, this was God. This was not me. This was God. God was faithful. God did this. And, and, and he didn't give up. And it's so interesting to me because I look at him and go, how did you not give up? And we never once hear him say anything negative about God. I mean, maybe they edited that out. But really, we don't see anything where he's, like, defeated. He just keeps putting one step in front of the other. And I don't understand how he did that. Um, Amy Salmemeyer sent me a text this week, and it was really funny. So I, want, I told her I was going to try to work it in my sermon, and thank goodness it worked. So sometimes we hear, oh, I'm going to follow God, and this is what my life's going to be like. And then we end up in a situation like this. The Lord said unto John, come forth, and you will receive eternal life. But John came fifth and won a toaster. Sometimes we think, oh, this is my life's going to be wonderful and magical and it's going to be perfect and easy and God's going to bless me and I can pray for favor and everything will be smooth and wonderful and we get a toaster. And then we feel burned. That was bad. Don't. No. No. Melissa, don't. It's very punny. In Hebrews, we see this, in Hebrews 11, we have this whole chapter full of the people that followed God, that persevered, that that walked with him. And it tells us even that many of them didn't see the promises that he had given them come to fruition. And it's an entire chapter about all these people that remind us that we're not alone in this. We are not alone in this struggle where we feel discouraged and despair and hopeless because the things we thought were going to happen haven't happened yet. And they remind us, they, we, they, it's like this saying, don't forget all of these people who are in the, in the fight with you. Don't forget all of this. And the greatest of these, obviously, we see it in the life of Jesus, right? So in Hebrews 12... It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We can't do it. I'll be honest. I mean, I I lose heart. It's hard not to grow weary. It's hard not to despair when you think, this is, I thought something different was going to happen. I thought this was going to be different. What the, what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that we can look at how Jesus did it. Like you were saying, he was tested before us and he showed us how to walk through that and how, and he overcame it to strengthen us, guide us, and support us and intercede for us as we're going through the same things. We're in good company. And although it can feel like God has forsaken us or that we're separate from him when we're in times of trial and tribulation and persecution, when we're feeling shamed, when we're feeling mocked, when we're feeling... um, All the things. You insert your thing there. The truth is that nothing can separate us from God's love. And because Jesus is the forerunner for us in this life, in this journey, we can look, keep our eyes fixed on him and see that he saw it as joy. Did you see that? It says, for the joy set before him. The joy that was set before him was he knew he was in his father's will. He knew the result that was coming from the trouble and the trial that he was going through. He knew that it was more than about his present circumstances. That there was something bigger and better and that his father could be trusted. In Romans 8... It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. Did you hear that in the song today? We sang that today. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're not alone. And sometimes the despair comes from the disillusionment, from our expectation not being met. It isn't necessarily that we despair. It's like, I thought this was going to be different. My hopes, how can I have hope in this situation when I don't know what's going on? How can I have hope in this situation when you're not acting the way that I believed it should be? And the truth is that we're not separate from him in that moment. We're not isolated. We're not alone. He's right there with us in it. He's walked the path before us. He's showing us the way. He's cheering us on. It says that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. He's like, he's up there praying. He's up there saying, these are my people. These are my children. When you look at Joseph, 
Like I said, you see, so in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar's wife is, is seducing him and trying to get him to sin with her, he says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? When he's in jail and the, the um, cupbearer for the pharaoh and the baker for pharaoh are downcast because they've had these dreams and they don't know how to interpret them, he says, do not inter- interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Like I said, with Pharaoh, he says, I can't do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. And then once he has children and his life is moving forward, he says, it is because he named his firstborn Manasseh because God made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. And the second son he named Ephraim, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The thing that I see about Joseph is he absolutely started out as this entitled, spoiled, selfish child. And through the adversity that he experienced, through the trials and tribulations, through the things that could have broken him, what we see is that instead of him breaking and growing bitter, he softened. He softened. And he, he, you see, like when his brothers come and they meet with him, and they don't know who he is yet. It, there's, there's like multiple times where it says he went off and wept because his heart broke for them. He was so overjoyed to see them. The people who had hated him, discarded him, caused so much of his suffering. He, he lavishes on them. His heart was changed through the adversity, through the trials. And I'm sure, obviously, he would have preferred to be able to have it downloaded and not have to go through that. But you can see where going through these things transformed him into the man that God wanted him to be. So that when it came time for his and his brothers were bowing down in front of him, he didn't glory over that. He didn't see that as, I won. He 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 embraced them and brought them to his home and said, let me care for you. When his dad dies and, and his brothers come to him and they're terrified because he's like, has so much authority, so much power. He basically has everything. He's, he's overruling their life and his brothers come and they're terrified. Now that our father's dead, now it, now it's coming. They've been waiting and waiting for it. Now it's coming. And it, what is he, he turns to them and he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God brought me here so I could save this land. God brought me here so I could provide for you and make a place for you so we could prosper. He saw through the, the things that we would normally run away from, through the adversities and trials and troubles that we would normally run from and try to avoid, he saw how God had used that to bring about the dream and the vision that he'd had at 17. I like how the message puts this. That same Hebrews passage. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. 
because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I mean, it's true. It's, it's a marathon, right? Like, we're in it for the long haul. We're, there's going to be peaks and valleys that we go through. And thank God for those times where we're having exhilaration and things are, you know, it's peaceful and good for the, the breath of air at that point. But then we just keep going. We keep going through. We keep fixing our eyes on what Jesus did and how he did it and going, okay, I trust you, God. I can, he went ahead of me. I'm just following in his footsteps. And he, he made the way. I'm following where he told me to go. I'm not saying it's easy, obviously. But I think it's worth it. I think he can be trusted. So, worship team, if you want to come up, um, as, we, as we sing this worship song together, as we take time, I always like this part of the service because it gives us an opportunity. I know, I know God, obviously God speaks to all of us, right? Like he speaks to us. We saw examples of that today with how this, everything combined together and how he, so there's my, he spoke something to you today. So the reason that we do this song after this message is to give you an opportunity and a place to respond and to listen, to praise, to say, thank you, God, that's what I needed today, or God, that really made me angry and I don't like it, and that's probably a sign that we're, he's working there. This makes me uncomfortable. This brings me peace. So that's why we take this time. So as we're praying, as we're worshiping, I just encourage you to hear how God is, I I believe he's showing us how he went ahead of us, that we cannot, we can hope and not have despair.
I'm going to go back to that verse at the beginning that I skipped. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. As I was preparing this and praying over this sermon and praying over you guys, I felt like the Spirit was telling me that there are definitely people who are feeling weary in doing good. Who are feeling like, is it worth it? Do you see? Am I on the right path? Where are you, God? Why is this happening? What's going on? How do I move forward? How do I get out of this? I'm trapped. I'm stuck in a pit. I'm stuck in jail. So my encouragement to you this morning is do not grow weary in doing good. He is faithful. He sees you. He is with you. Don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. Run the race with endurance. He endured so much for us, and he showed us how to do the same. Father God, I pray this morning. God, we pray that you would bring your encouragement and your peace. God, we commit ourselves to following you. We commit ourselves to your way. In Jesus' name, we pray against despair and discouragement. In Jesus' name, we pray against anxiety and fear and depression. In Jesus' name, we pray against depression. We pray that that is broken. We pray for joy and peace. And God, we pray for your favor. Walk with us. Be with us. Supernaturally, we pray that the good things that happen in our lives are to your glory. In Jesus' name. So I want to pray the, verse, the prayer that we pray every single week. If this is your first time with us, if you are praying and want to have God with you, have Jesus with you in the way that we were talking about, this is how we do it. So we'd love for you, if this is your first time praying, or if you want prayer, if you want prayer for any of those things we talked about today, we have a prayer team available, and we'd love to pray with you. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life, and give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to learning the scripture, living in fellowship with God's people, and following you in water baptism. In Jesus' name, I pray and trust. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all I got this morning. So if you're hanging around for the members meeting afterwards, it will be in here. We're going to take a little break. Um, and then come back in. So have a great week. Thanks for listening to the North Rock Church Podcast. For more information about our church and upcoming events, check us out at northrockchurch.com.
or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram.